Welcome to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. This is going to be a bit of an episode, but first, I'm your co-host, Lily. I'm your co-host, Sam. I'm your co-host, Ghost Lynn. So, we are probably just going to get right into the episodes this week, but before we do that, we wanted to make a little bit of an announcement. Uh, This week is going to be the last week that our co-host, Ghost Lynn will be appearing as a regular host of the show. It's just been a bit grating to watch two episodes of Bleach every week, especially with the way the show has been, and she's just not enjoying it anymore and wanted to move on, and I I mean, we talked about it last night, but I mean, I think we all agree that's a totally fair and, like, honest decision to make. The podcast specter can now finally move on to the Soul Society of the Sky. Yeah, no, it's it's the not-capitalist soul society. Get it right. <laughs> Apparently, Lynn is going to play volleyball, baby. High-Q podcast time. Let's go. I mean, I'm down to do a High-Q podcast. I've never... I've watched, like, two episodes of High-Q. It's worth it. It's worth a watch. It's a good uh, sports anime. I do want to watch it. But yeah, um, at the end, we'll be doing a little something special for Lynn. Uh, and we will... Go ahead and jump right into the episode, I guess. Um, let me get this open. Sorry, I'm just all over the place. I'm very distraught. Oh, wait, I guess shower is happening. Hold on. This is the loudest thing that's ever happened. I need to check it. <laughs> that's you. How is this louder than the, than the leaf blower that was outside your window? <laughs> Well, you see, the water heater is literally right next to my computer. I and, see. Well, yeah. Um, hold on. I'm gonna go check that that's, like, a bath happening, because at least that way we can wait, like, five or ten minutes and then be good. That's hilarious. Okay. I guess we should just jump back into the beginning of the, uh beginning of the summary let's uh yeah let's let's okay. do the thing let's uh let's do the thing episode 46 
Authentic Records, School of Shinigami. We begin with a few different shots. A shot of Renji running through the Seirite in the middle of the night. A shot of Gin and Hizuru walking along a bridge, presumably after releasing the latter from his cell. And a shot of Momo as she thinks of her captain Aizen, looking to the moon through the sole window of her cell. We cut to the past, where young Momo pats an even younger Hitsugaya, bidding him farewell. She calls him Shirochan, and he hates this, but she promises to address him by last name once he joins the Shino Academy, to which he responds by dismissing the idea of even joining. Momo runs off and promises to visit, while Hitsugaya says not to come back. I love young Hitsugaya! He's a little gremlin. He, like, he's, he's just a complete brat. I love him. It's so good! Um, I, I really like the, like, interaction here, because, like, up to this point, I don't think we knew that, like, Momo and Hitsugaya were related in any way like this. Like, we had a inkling that they're, they're like, that they had uh, some connection, because earlier, uh, during, I think it's, no, it's before the investigation stuff, um, she, like, she's calling him, uh, Shiro, and he's asking her to be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a goddamn captain, use my title. <laughs> Uh, so we know there's, like, familiarity, but we didn't know anything about their past so far. Yeah, and the implication here is that, like, they lived together, or, like, they at least, like, grew up together in the same village. Like, it it, it looks sort of like a brother-sister relationship, is what I got out of it, but, like, we don't get all the details. Yeah, which is, like, I, I don't know how to reconcile it with the, um... With the bit that we knew from before that Renji and Rukia were the only ones from uh, Rukongai that came in. I guess maybe Hitsugai is just an orphan not in Rukongai. I suppose that's poss- that's a thing. But like, I'd like more details on his situation because I'm having a hard time fitting the details together with the Renji and Rukia backstory. I feel like that's probably something that Kubo just didn't think through. Almost certainly. <laughs> It was just like, ah, oh, yes, this thing I said, forget about it. That was 20 weeks ago. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Lin is right. Hitsugaya does have an entire movie to himself, so maybe those details are in there. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Let us know how it is. <laughs> yeah, we will cover it on this on this cast at some point. Uh, oh, when absolutely. When watching it, it doesn't include spoilers for the story. Uh, I, have ep- I have a list of episodes where that'll be the thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board for that too. A young Izuru Kira prays at his parents' grave and states that he must be going now, while young Rukia and Renji run through the streets late for school. Rukia blames Renji for sleeping in a tree, wasting her time to look for him, and Renji tells her it's not her business where he sleeps. Rukia claims she should have just left without him, and we cut to later that day at the academy as Gengoro Onabara welcomes the freshman class to the academy. Onabara goes on to describe the proud history of Shino Academy, which mainly succeeds in training future members of both the Stealth Squad and the Gote 13, the Court Guard Squads. He then details that this class contains those students with the highest exam scores, making them the advanced class, and that he hopes they will train hard to excel in their pursuits rather than just to serve the squad they will end up joining. Which, I I do like this like establishing bit. I... I do think it's kind of funny just because it's like, ah, oh, yes, excel in your pursuits. Don't just serve your squad. But literally every time we've seen some somebody like 
try to do something that their squad, like, isn't explicitly ordering them to do, they seem to get in trouble. Yeah, it's like, I, I, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, schools will say that stuff, and then you get to the actual, like, workforce, and it's like, oh, oh, okay. But I also love that, like, Rukia's the old, like, Renji, Izuru, and Momo are all in the advanced class. Yeah, and at this point, you're like, where is Rukia? And it's like, oh, okay, she's not with the group. That's weird. We actually, like, get a shot after that where Rukia's sitting alone. Like, there are other kids, but, like, of the characters we know, she's alone uh, in a different class. As an instructor here assures her and the others that excellence is not just something for the advanced class. In fact, it's possible some of these students will surpass those in the advanced class if they train hard enough. Rukia then thinks of how Renji scored higher in the entrance, in the entrance exam than her, and we cut to Hado exercises later outside. Yeah, Lynn is right. Even in her own backstory, she gets shunted off to the side. Poor Rukia. That's because it isn't her backstory. It's everyone else's backstory. I, I know, but it's like... <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Rukia doesn't get backstory. She gets backstory later. Where she does, in fact, get shunted to the side. Ah, <laughs> oh, beautiful. Perfect. All I could ever want from Bleach. Momo recites Hado number 31, hitting one of the targets, but just barely. And she is praised by another girl. She downplays her success, while the other girl comments on the fact that her classmates hadn't even hit the targets yet. Then, the two girls are surprised by the sound of a powerful blast, and look to see Izuru with smoking hands. Momo wonders if it was him who made the sound, and notices that the target is actually completely destroyed now. He hit it dead center. He turns and walks past Renji, who admits he didn't know there was someone so talented in his class. Renji is called up, and he asserts that he'll best Izuru, and he attempts to fire off his own Hado. The spell backfires, blowing up in his face and sending the other students flying. The smoke clears to reveal a hilariously charred Renji, and the instructor orders him to stay after class. This part was funny. It was fun. I am a, li- a little bit annoyed that, like, because we, we've had, um, we've had, like, passing mention of how good Momo is at Hado, and then here yeah. it's like, oh yeah, like, she's really good. She's the only person in her group there's a bunch of people in her group who couldn't even make the shot go far enough to hit the target. And of the people who did make it go far enough, she's the only person who hit the target. So it's like, oh, that's really cool. And then immediately after, it's like, oh, by the way, Izuru got like a perfect bullseye. He's fucking fantastic. He's perfect. Great. I I think it's kind of like a through line we, we get with Momo in these two episodes, which I, I want to be clear, for the most part, I did enjoy these two episodes. But... Like, it is kind of a through line we get that Momo, like, it's another situation of we're told she's so powerful in one way, and then we just don't get to see any of that. Like, we get, like, one instance of of her doing, like, successful, like, really good Hado in these two episodes that I remember clearly. And other than that, she just kind of gets pushed off to the side. Yeah, and, like, a part of the... Part I will say, mention that like part of the Izuru bit is that um, he is demonstrated as being like really ahead of the curve as far as grades and uh, Hado skill, but then he fucks up in like other ways. So, like he's the he's the guy who's like really smart and doesn't need to study until he hits a wall. Like that's his character during school. Yeah, we cut to class sparring while Renji lets out a flurry of attacks on a struggling Izuru 
jabbing onto his shoulder and sending him flying as the instructor declares the match over, Renji favored. Some girls rush over to Izuru's side, accusing Renji of being too rough, and he walks away annoyed. Shortly after, as Renji sits under a tree, Izuru walks up, noting that he seems tired and asking a startled Renji if he can take a break with him. Renji confusedly agrees, and Izuru sits down, explaining how overwhelming Renji's attacks were, and that his arm is actually still numb. Renji apologizes, not having intended to hurt him, and explains that he wanted to make up for Hado practice. Izuru claims that they will need to master all types of Soul Reaper combat in order to become Soul Reapers. Renji agrees, while Izuru extends a hand, introducing himself. Renji notes that this must mean he's from a good family, before introducing himself and stating he doesn't like shaking hands. The two notice several students running to the academy gates, and they join the crowd, where Momo struggles to see through everyone, wondering what's happening. Renji is already practicing good social distancing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Renji. I... Okay, so, like, what we're getting here in, like, the stuff we got earlier with, like, Toshiro and Momo, uh, I guess what I'm getting is, like, there are characters who must not live in the Rukongai? Like, as in, like, not in the Serete, but not in the Rukongai either. We just haven't been told about that. Because my understanding thus far was that the Rukongai was for, like, people who have died and get then are like they get like separated from their families like in the process of death and just like get split into whatever zone of the recon guy and i don't know i does this stuff make sense like does it make sense to have parents like in the afterlife like this is kind of um it's one of the bits where like kubo's various bits of world building like start rubbing up against each other because in this case they're like souls have like com they have long complex lives that just are basically real life but in a weird in a new and different environment uh including like gr uh, being children growing up having family units and that kind of stuff like we you know, it could be a situation where Izuru's parents are more of, like, an adoptive family unit, where, like, all three of them had existed, died, forgotten their memories or something, and then, like, came like came together as a family, potentially. But there's nothing in the text that really supports that. So it's just like, okay, I guess there was a family unit, and his parents are dead. Were, were they poor were they part of soul society were we do, we have no details on that at all and then like you look at hitsugaya and then again you look back at rukia and renji and you're like how do these how do these pieces of the puzzle fit together it's like it's really it's seemingly contradictory and there might be an explanation but we don't have it yet yeah i guess it's one of those situations we're just gonna have to wait and see it is just it's very strange <laughs> Is all I have to say there. So the two notice that there are several students running to the academy gates, and they join the crowd where Momo struggles to see through everyone, wondering aloud what's happening. She's pushed forward a bit and informed that a captain is making an appearance. Turns out that the captain is Aizen, whose lieutenant at the time, Gin Ichimaru, follows behind. They walk through the middle of the two crowds, and Momo is awed to see what a captain is like. Back at Hitsugaya's house in her village, 
He and Momo eat watermelon while she describes Aizen's spiritual energy. She asks if Shiro-chan is listening, to which he angrily reminds her to stop calling him that, spitting seeds at her. He asks her if her coming home every day means she has a lot of free time, and she points out that she's been coming home to visit him, which he denies asking her to do. Momo proudly states that she's going to join the 5th Division, Aizen's Division, once she graduates. So, I do, like, again, I, I do mostly like these episodes. It This is definitely, like, the part, like, the part where we start getting, like, Momo, like, really, really thrown to the side, like, in favor of, ah, yes, here's the Aizen plot you're wanting. Uh, and it, it's like, I don't know, it feels very strange to set her up here to just be a victim in, like, what essentially, at this point, we can infer is probably, like, something to do with Gein, given that the show has been yelling at us that it's basically Gein. Yeah, the show's been non-subtle on that part of things. I don't feel like it is setting her her to be a victim in this episode. It's more like, because, like, we know already that, like, a third of Momo's character is how much she respects and likes her captain. Um, yeah. So I... Like, I just saw it as, like, oh, well, it started here when she saw him, like, walking down, and she was like, okay, well, here's where she met him, but all, but also this is more, th- the point of this is more to establish that Gin used to be Aizen's subordinate, I think. Yes. I, I agree that that's more, like, in line with what it's actively trying to set up, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it, it feels weird that, like, her character here, like, from what we've seen in this episode thus far, just immediately gets, like, transformed to revolve around Aizen. And I think that becomes more clear throughout the episode. Um, but, I mean, I guess... You say, you say transformed. I say this is literally what her character has... Like, unfortunately, this is... Like, Momo's character has literally mostly been this. Oh, I, 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 I mean, you're right. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you there. It's it's more like in this episode in specific. It's just like ah Momo is normal girl. Ah Aizen show up. She loves Aizen. And <laughs> there we are. <laughs> End of episode. End of episode. <laughs> Later that year, Rukia walks through the hall, surprised when Renji kicks her in the butt. Renji asks what she's dream- daydreaming about and asks if she's still not used to school after six months. Rukia is surprised to see him with a bunch of other students all carrying supplies, and she asks if they have field practice today. Renji confirms this, stating that they're going to fight dummy hollows in the human world, which angers Rukia, as only the advanced class is doing this. Renji asserts that this is because of skill, and he walks off, promising to come back stronger than her. She tries to fight this, but falls silent, alone in the hall. This is a heartbreaking shot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, you know, they, like I really love every instance of Rukia and Renji bickering together here. Um, just having Rukia be an animated force in the in the show is something that I didn't realize I missed so much. Uh, but yeah, like she they they bicker a little bit, and then hold on, I someone's at my door. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bleach cast, everybody. Uh, It was a postal worker uh, giving me... They're not supposed to enter the building, but here we are. 
they just Back. delivered me a box. <laughs> or it said, <laughs> it says book and card set, which I'm not sure what this is. Should I do a, Should I do a live unboxing now, or should I wait till after? Let's just do a live unboxing. Why not? This is how Bleachcast is. Sure. Hello and welcome to the world's first audio-only unboxing. Oh, I guarantee you it's happened before. I'm pretty sure I did oh. it before. On this show. <laughs> oh, I think this is a Kickstarter I backed a couple of months ago. I completely forgot that there was a second part to it, because I already had the first chunk. It is... Actually, I'm going to actually open the thing. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah? Yeah! This So a while back, I backed the Good Society Kickstarter. Uh, Good Society is a role-playing game to essentially create a Jane Austen-style story uh, with the people at the table. And uh, so, you know, you have characters doing political and economic intrigues, writing letters to each other. It's a Regency, it's just like a Regency style story that you tell with your group. Uh, I had forgotten that I had also gotten the Expanded Acquaintance expansion pack and related cards. So this is the book, this is the rule book for the expansion. Awesome. Uh, just gonna put that away. Here we go. Frankly, I really need to play more RPGs. I really miss it. <laughs> but all right, what what was I talking about? Uh, uh, oh God, um, we were talking about like the, the heartbreak of this Rukia scene. I think sad Rukia. Uh, yes, sad Rukia. So I mentioned that I really liked how uh, I really liked having animated Rukia back, and also yes. yeah, like she's. Like, Renji is having a blast at school. Like, he's made... He's clearly connected with uh, with his peers, and now he's going off on... He's effectively going off on a fishing trip with them. Uh, <laughs> like, it's... Because they're like, oh, yeah, we've got our food. We've got our... Uh, the, these are bundled up katanas, but they may as well be, like, a, a fishing rod. Uh, and we're just going... Uh, we're going on a training camp. <laughs> Bye. Also, I'm... I'm doing better than you. You better catch up. Bye. <laughs> I think this does retroactively make like his and Rukia's like episode that happened like last season retroactively way sadder. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, like that that bit where both of them were ostracized that only happened that only lasted like a week, but for Rukia God. it lasted a whole year. Poor Rukia. God. Although it also makes it seem like, oh yeah, the way when he like suddenly stops training with Izuru in that episode and goes to talk with Rukia, maybe it's not just that he really wants to be chummy with Rukia. Maybe it's, oh right, I'm literally her only friend. I'm gonna make sure that she's doing okay. <laughs> Shuhei Hisagi, nice, breached the class, introducing himself and two others as six years, stating they, stating that they will be guiding the class. Izuru explains to Renji that Shuhei is famous, and that he's been guaranteed a position in the Gotei 13 before even graduating, which hasn't happened in a few years. He also notes that Shuhei failed the entrance exam twice, which means that perhaps Izuru will become even more talented since he got the highest score on the entrance exam. One of the six years tells the, 
tells the class that they will be split into groups of three, and it turns out that Renji, Momo, and Izuru are all just coincidentally in the same group. Personally, I like this Izuru of being like, hmm, I wonder if that means I'll be more talented. Hmm, I scored so well. Like, that's essentially what I was uh, talking about earlier, where, like, it seems like they're setting up an arc that we never get to see, where, like... Renji and Momo basically start at a certain level and get better, and then Izuru kind of, like, starts at a slightly higher level, but maybe doesn't improve as much as they do. Uh, but they yeah. all end up relatively in the same place. Um, but also, yeah, like, I like... he, I like seeing him, like, before he's got the super long bang. Like, I, I like I too. the different hairstyle that he has in this episode, and also just have him have being, like... Like, he's trying, he's trying to be friendly with basically everyone. Like, he's just a really friendly guy. Yeah, I like his hero. That night, in the human world, upperclassmen hold a barrier, as it turns out it's common for real hollows to attack during this kind of training. A semi-translucent hollow looms behind a tower, and we cut to some bits of the class-fighting dummy hollows. Renji, Izuru, and Momo struggle a bit, but end up defeating theirs. Renji claims that it, actually, this was super easy. In fact, I could have done it myself. And Izuru's like, no, no, it was our teamwork. Our teamwork did it. Renji is like, I want to fight a real hollow. And Momo's like, bud, I get that your ego's huge. Just, but. And then she sees like a weird shimmer and assures Renji and Izuru, it's probably nothing. Yeah, it's like the monkey paw curls. It really is. I'm sorry, were you going to say more? No, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, I, just I don't have much this episode. <laughs> you you are completely valid. Shuhei uses the communicator around his neck and asks the barrier how the barrier unit how the situation is, but doesn't hear it back. And we get like a shot of them like having been slaughtered. Renji Squad yep. hears a scream and runs out to find Kamisawa, one of the sixth years, impaled on the talent of a real hollow. The huge hollow tosses the body, and Shuhei draws his blade, cursing their luck and wondering how they didn't sense such a huge hollow. Enraged by the death of his classmate, the only other six-year, Aoga, rushes the hollow and is immediately cut down. Shuhei orders the students to run, and they do. I do love how earlier this episode, Renji's like, so are they, like, famous? And, and Izuru's like, no, 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 listen, these two are gonna die in about five minutes. All you need to care about is Shuhei Isagi. Yeah, he's like, no, that one's famous, those two are mooks. Uh, like, <laughs> we're, we're not giving their name in this introduction segment because they're probably going to die. It's really funny. Uh, like, they get named and that's about it, and then they just die. Shuhei orders the students to run, and they do. Renji tries to contact Soul Society to inform them of the situation, and Momo questions why they are running. Izuru tells her that they have to follow orders, but Momo remains hesitant. Renji points out the Hollow killed two six years like they were nothing, but Momo is determined and she refuses to run. Shuhei continues to battle, and Renji squad, now Momo squad in my eyes, saves him from certain death. Izuru apologizes for disobeying orders, and Renji asks for this to be overlooked since they came to rescue him. Momo Squad recites Hado number 31, blasting the hollow back long enough for them and Shuhei to escape for a second. I do enjoy this moment just because it actually does give Momo like a chance to be like, no, this is what I stand for. We're going back. 
Yeah, like I really like that she's the one. She's clearly the one that convinced both of them to stay, and she's also taking point on like performing the chant. Uh, yeah. So it's just like okay, like we find we finally get Momo like doing stuff, which is great. Uh, I also good. really like uh, both Red Genies who were being like just facetiously being like hey buddy like don't give us detention for saving your life <laughs> it's really good and it I, personally I want a side story just about the academy I think that would be a fun time yeah I just want like here's like a six episode series that's like very it's it's basically just all filler it, it might not even be characters that we know and then they're just going through Soul Society Academy, uh, Soul Reaper Academy, and like, here's how things work. I'm into it. Renji questions how such a large hollow could appear. While Shu- oh wow. <clears throat> While Shuhei theorizes it can conceal its energy. Izuru wonders what to do since they can't defeat it, but Shuhei reveals that he was able to contact Soul Society, and that they'll just have to hold out until help gets here. Several more hollows appear, while Izuru, terrified, exclaims that he doesn't want to die. But suddenly, Gin Shikai Shinso appears, extending through the dark and the skull of the original Huge Hollow. It retracts, and he apologizes for keeping everyone waiting, as he and Aizen approach. Aizen places a hand on Momo's head, assuring her that she can rest, and he praises her perseverance in such a scary situation. So, Gin comments on how many ho- <laughs> Yeah? <laughs> Don't mind us. For context in chat, um, in, in chat, Sam posted a really, really awful picture of Mayuri, and Lynn is repeatedly typing no, 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 and now Sam is spamming safe for work Sasuke in the chat. It's okay. It's, it's yeah. fine. This is a really good episode of Bleachcast. We are quality podcasters. We've never fucked up or made mistakes. Professionals. God damn it, Lin. Gin comments on how many hollows there are and extends Shinso, cutting through several hollows like butter in the coolest shot in this entire episode. It's really good. It's actually really good. It's just like, we get... It's a wild pan where you just see his sword, like, extending and just slicing through a bunch of hollows like it's nothing. It's so good. Yeah, um, like his sword might as well be just a giant laser beam. Uh. Honestly, Aizen catches a punch and effortlessly obliterates a massive hollow. It's kind of the most extra thing. Yeah, like it's like the punch doesn't even touch him. Like it, he basically just like makes. I guess he just pushes it away with his spirit pressure. Like he lifts up a hand and the punch can't reach him, and it, there you see like a bunch of spirit pressure around the hand, and it's like, okay, right. Captains. Right. <laughs> Captains! Uh, God. Aizen looks over his shoulder, smiling at Momo, and we cut back to the present, where Momo ceases staring at the moon. She gets the guard's attention, and uses a spell to generate a haze of flower petals, which causes the guard to pass out. She turns around, determined, and the episode ends. The look on her face, like the shot of her face looking so serious because she's like, she's essentially going like, I am determined and I have now decided that I will go do an action. And as she's talking to the guard, like that shot is fucking sick. <laughs> it's so good. I will say 
I really feel like this should have been last episode. Like, I, I really do like this moment, but it, it really feels like this would have worked better for last week's episode, where instead she just kind of got a nothing, like, cliffhanger ending, where we just got Momo. Yeah, like, it, like this, it, she should have left her cell at the same time as the other two. Uh, and then you give us the backstory, as opposed to two of them leaving the cell. She takes a while to, like, think back on her memories, and then we get a cliffhanger. Well, we get a flashback. And then yeah. she leaves the cell. And the best part of it, none of this is in the manga. Oh. Huh. So I was right when I said it felt like filler. Yeah. Like, you, they could have done whatever the fuck they wanted with this, with this whole scene in the sequence. Um... That's wild. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> um, I I really do like the whole, like, shot of the flower petals falling and then, like, the guard just, like, falling unconscious. It's really good. It's a good scene. Yeah, like, that Like that scene looks really good. And, like, just, just the way they draw her face, like, it's completely different from the way they draw it usually. And it's like, oh, like... Momo looks badass, and she, like, she looks le uh, less like, ah, yes, it's that girl Momo, and it's more like, oh, right, she's one of the 26 highest-ranked Shinigami, like, she's a vice captain, she's gonna fuck you up. She absolutely is gonna fuck you up. So, I, I assume, because this wasn't in the manga, there's no differences to discuss this week. Exactly. We're the difference is, none of it shows up in the manga. <laughs> Alright, boom, done. Uh, let's cut to a five minute break. Let's cut to a quick break. <laughs> let's get back into Bleach, and with that I mean, let's get to episode 47, THE AVENGERS! <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this punchline. This is why I was happy to talk about Marvel Comics over the break, because th I knew that I knew that we had the Avengers episode. I forgot that it was just called the Avengers. Alright, so the op the episode opens with Hinamori running through Soul Society at night, going through the contents of Aizen's letter to her, and tears welling up as she decides to believe her captain's accusation of who killed her. Uh, but we still don't know who it is. It's It's very, like... This character is acting on knowledge that the viewers don't know, and you are very, you are made aware of it, but like we just keep stopping right before we tell you who it is, kind of thing. It's it's very. Mm, you want to know who this is, don't you? Don't you? Mm, let's just tease this in front of you one more time. Over at the tenth division's offices, the vice captain Matsumoto dreams of a time when she and Gin were children and the latter had given her food to stave off the starvation that occurred when you had a higher-than-average spiritual pressure. And she wakes up to her captain asking her to finish the paperwork he's working on. Uh, this bit is also like, oh, does that mean that they... So those two were also part of, like, the poor orphan cast. Do they mean that they didn't go to the academy? Because we were told that Renji and Rukia's situation was kind of unique, but now it's starting to... Maybe they thought it was unique, but actually, fucking 75% of Soul Reapers go <laughs> grow up that way. Like, sorry, Renji, you're not special. I think Kubo said it was unique, and then was like, oh, wait, I can just write this same thing, like, three times. Sorry, Renji, you're not special. <laughs> sorry, Renji. <laughs> 
maybe they have like a two person a year like like every incoming class has two or three people that that are picked up and renji took that to mean that there were only two or three people like of all time and at some point rukia's like renji you didn't read the paper <laughs> lynn's right i i like matsumoto here as well yeah like she turns she turns to her captain and she's like wait how much work did you do and it's like it's fine it's nothing like just th- there's this stack of paper left please just fucking finish it and she's like you took over the entirety of division 5's paperwork and there were stacks upon stacks upon stacks and now you've only got like a couple of sheets of paper holy shit you wonder child <laughs> but hitsugaya is like like he's he's being very mature cuz he's like yeah like don't worry about like you slept a while, but don't worry about it, because it can't be easy to see your classmate fight with your junior. Talking about Gin and uh, Momo. And the two are interrupted by a messenger, letting them know that Renji, Momo, and Izuru have all disappeared from their cells. I really like Hitsugaya here. I, just, I do as well. I, I have, like, mostly consistently enjoyed Hitsugaya's presence. Yeah, he's like... He is, he is wise beyond his apparent years, even though we don't know if he's actually a 15 year old or a 10 year old or a 270 year old spirit alas yeah no he's he's just been great granted we haven't had much of him like true he still has more several chances to disappoint i'm sure but he's been good so far he's been pretty great (laughs) Uh, there's a reason there there's got to be a reason why hitsugaya was consistently ranked uh i think he was either ranked the most popular or one of the most popular soul society uh, characters just throughout the uh, throughout the popularity polls, like all the way to the end, people like him. He's a good character. He is a good character. Hitsugaya investigates Momo's cell, noting that if they had really wanted to imprison a Kido master like her, they'd have suppressed her spiritual powers. They didn't, because they didn't expect her to put a guard to sleep and then blast a giant fucking hole through the bars of her cell and the outside wall. Although that just mostly makes me wonder why she'd bother doing both. <laughs> It's a really cool shot. Like, it's a really cool shot because you oh, see the great. hole. You see the hole in the wall and, like, you see that superimposed over the hole in the cell, in, like, the bars. But it's like, she was inside the cell. How did she make, like, did she just point both ways? Was she trying to throw someone off the scent? Like, it's 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 a weird, like, visual if you actually think about what it means. But it looks fucking cool, which I guess probably sums up Leech a lot. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think overall what I really enjoyed about, like, this shot is that, like, they're talking, they're talking, they're talking, and then it's the reveal that there's this giant hole, and it's it's just a cool shot. It's a cool shot! You, you, you've been on it already. It's a cool shot. Yeah, like, Renji basically punched his, uh, his bars down, but he only broke, like, two or three of them. Momo took out, like, a full dozen. Just a giant explosion. It's like, okay. Uh, I also like, uh, like, uh, Hitsugaya at this point, basically, he's like, okay, what could make Momo go to such extremes? Oh, probably this. Matsumoto, go back without me. I've got to go save Hinamori. He's, uh, he's being a a dependable guy. A cool dude. Yeah. Oh, great. Craig, why? I mean, to be fair... I mean, you weren't using it so this time. Craig, what is going on with you today? 
Yeah, because KD bot's the one that's that signs out when you don't use them. Craig's still record like even if Lynn's not using Craig, we are. Like it's still recording our voice tracks. Yeah. Huh. At the underground cavern, Ichigo is still fighting Zangetsu, and Yoroichi notes how much more skilled he is compared to when he started. It takes longer for his sword to break, he makes much less mistakes, and overall, he's learning to be a proper fighter. Which, itself, like, it makes more sense as to why they would use this method for Bankai, and I kind of wish they had led with this aspect of things, because now it feels like, the way she's presenting it here, it feels less like, Ichigo, you have to beat Zangetsu to earn your power up. It's more like, you're going to fight for your life, and if you learn fast enough, you'll hit a level you can where you can actually wield your Bankai. And if you don't, you don't get Bankai. Like, it's... it, it Like, I, I like it presented more that way versus, like, you have to... You have to perform Dominion over your tool friend. Um, yeah. Because, because this way, it's more like, oh yeah, we, we know for a fact that Ichigo is a very fast fighter and that when he's in combat he's just constantly leveling up he's just speed running get being a better fighter so it would make sense as even doesn't matter if you get bankai or not you're still not gonna be able to take out the captains but this way you're we're just gonna put you through a grueling training regimen and you'll get a chance to catch up to byakuya it definitely does feel better framed this way um and i i absolutely agree i wish they had led with this i'm still not huge on it overall but, like, at least, like, the fighting this time, like, the little bit of fighting we got was still pretty neat. I will note that we do get more, uh, like, next week's episode goes into it. And uh, more on, like, the why this method is the way it is. And I th- it does it makes a lot more sense once we get that that uh, those details. But that's next week. Okay. We end up getting more of Aizen's letter as he questions the odd happenings of Rukia's imprisonment. A lot of this is also stuff that, like, we had previously heard the first time that Momo read the letter. And, um, she sheds a tear as she thinks of the secrets in the letter. And then we immediately switch back to Ichigo's fighting. And while is like, oh, he's able to fight for five minutes while holding the same sword. Uh, but immediately as he's charging forward, I get to just keep fighting. Zangetsu turns back into the doll, and Yoroichi's like, alright, time's up. Day one's day one's done. Time to time to rest and recuperate for day two. I really thought they were gonna go for the whole like, oh, you have to train for three days straight thing, and I'm kind of glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, like this makes sense with the um Cause e- when we close up on Yoroichi, like she's sweating and she like there there's not a lot of it, but we see that she's like she is actively doing something and with the detail from the manga last week that she's the one actually like supplying the power to make the doll she's basically the one that's materializing zangetsu into the world um it does make like oh okay like there is a limit because yoroichi can't just like use this tool forever she has she has to take breaks he has to take like ichigo has to take breaks in order to like rest up for the next fight and then she has to take breaks so that she can actually make Zangetsu move around and fight. It's like, all right. Uh, Hizokaya continues his investigation now going to Izuru's cell and uh, he notices something but we don't know what it is and then we jump back to Ichigo at, who's bathing in a hot spring water that is healing his scars. We get a quick like 
bit of Yoroichi teaching Ichigo and getting him flustered at the idea that she'd jump into the bath, but eventually she just joins him in her cat form. Uh, I actually did like that gag. I, I, I did, like... Like, it did land for me. Basically, she's, like, teasing him a bunch and, like, starts undressing and he starts, like, looking away and getting really flustered, which, obviously, like, it that, that sucks, still. But then, like, for, like, the camera to just show that she has jumped into the hot spring as a cat was very funny. It was a good subversion. It's a good shot. And I, I do like that it's, like, when, like, when she's a cat, uh, like, Ichigo doesn't care. Like he's bas- he basically like, it's fine. We're we're bathing in a hot spring. We can just like be people and like bathe in a hot spring. It's fine. But please don't show me your tits. It does suck because, as Lynn says, she does turn back. And I think that's in like a little later of a scene. But I mean, worth just getting over with the hot spring joke now. I guess she does turn back, and it's like supposed to be a gag, and it. That part didn't work for me, but like this little cat subversion, that did work for me. Yeah, uh, Ichigo asks about like the cavern because he's like, this is like super close to Urahara's uh, Urahara's training ground, and she reveals that that one was modeled after this one, which she and Urahara had built as a secret base together when they were kids. They played there every day, and eventually, he joined the uh, Gote Thirteen, and she joined the Stealth Corps. And then they started using it to train. And she goes like, wait, he was part of Soul Society. Who was he? Who is this man's? And we learn that he was the captain of the 12th Division, as well as the first chief and founder of the Department of R&D. I was like, oh, he was pretty important. I completely forgot that we like got these details about Urahara this early. I felt like it took a while longer. But now that we're here, I'm like, oh yes, this seems like the place to put this. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we do get we do get some of his backstory here. I also like that she's like, oh yeah, we were we were children and we just built this out of a fucking mountain wall. Same. <laughs> and he's like, wait, hold on, you built this in secret? And it's like, yeah, he's a mischievous little shit. I was like, what? That doesn't. <laughs> Don't underestimate Urahara. Don't underestimate Yoruichi. They are the dream team. They, if they want a secret base, they're getting a secret base. Elsewhere, Kira and Jin are accosted by Hitsugaya, who figured this was like that they would be out walking around because Kira's cell was the only one that was actually unlocked. He asks Gin why he's being so careless, but Gin says it was on purpose. Hitsugaya grabs his blade and says he'll kill the captain of the 3rd Division before Hinamori arrives. But as soon as he says that, she lands between them, saying she's here to avenge Aizen in the most convoluted manner possible. Like, she stands, her back is to Hitsugaya, she's facing Gin and Kira. She says, I found you, I'm here too, and she's grabbing her sword. And Hitsugaya says, no, don't, he's too strong for you. And then she does a 180 and draws her sword at Hitsugaya. Turn, like telling him, I'm here to avenge Captain Aizen with tears in her eyes and asking Toshiro like why he did the things he did. Like it's 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 just really drawn out and it's very clearly like going for ah, she's here to fight Gin. No, she's here to f- the reveal is she's here to fight Hitsugaya, but like I don't know, it feels like really convoluted the way that they set up the scene where she's she's 
she lands, she turns towards Gin, and then she draws her sword at Hitsugaya. Like, it's weird. Like, it makes, like, it, it feels like it doesn't make sense in the context of the, like, actual, like, scene. And that, like, there's no actual reason for her to, like, trick Hitsugaya. It purely feels like it's trying to trick the audience into, like, thinking she's gonna fight Gin. Yeah, like, it could have been... It could have been something like she's coming from the opposite side of uh, Gin, like from where Toshiro is. So it's like she's running to do an attack, and then she just keeps running past them and runs to uh, Hitsugaya, right? Like it could have been something like that. But this is literally just like we still haven't done the reveal, so we're just gonna keep putting all the she's here to kill Gin, uh, like symbols symbolism. Uh, but then yeah. she just turns around. <laughs> It's weird. Effectively, we just get that Aizen's letter mentioned that the goal of the execution wasn't actually to kill Rukia, uh, but it was to steal the execution tool Sokyoku, which has the destructive power of one million Zanpakuto, and the power to block that much power. And when it's killing someone, or when it's executing someone, its power grows several twelves times over. Uh because i guess like this feels like a really bad thing to have <laughs> oh absolutely like, it's like oh wait is this like is this like a trapped god like what is this thing it's uh, frankly kind of absurd i kind of love it honestly like i do like this plan and then it's like oh yeah and also the person who's planning who's plotting this is going to use that power to destroy not just the seireite but all of soul society and his name is Hitsugaya Toshiro, and I called him to, I called him out, and we're gonna talk, and maybe we're gonna fight, and it's the exact place where you found my body. It's and that, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And then there's the mention, like, there's the specific, like, wording, Hinamori, if I fall, won't you carry out my wishes and avenge me? A request made not as the captain of Squad 5, but as a man. And Hiro and uh, Hitsugaya is like kind of shocked, and Hinamori starts to attacking. It, she starts attacking him, and he's like, "Uh, hold up, hold up. One, Aizen isn't a coward who would ask his subordinates to finish his business if he if he died. And two, he wouldn't be dumb enough to like fight a f fight that he would that he wouldn't be able to win. Like Aizen just would not put himself in a situation where uh he could die from." Like, he wouldn't come meet me face-to-face -face if he thought that there was a chance that he might die. Um, but, unfortunately, Hinamori is unable to hear his uh, his facts and logic. And in tears, she, she says that she believes the letter, and she goes on the assault, just getting more and more upset. Hitsugai assumes that the letter has to have been forged, and as he does, we basically just get, like, a huge close-up of Gin's nastiest mischievous grin and he moves to attack Gin but Hinamori gets in the way so he kind of he kind of has to like backhand her out of the way and it knocks her out Gin <laughs> it's I'll get into it after um Gin taunts okay. him and he asks what the third division captain wants especially since Hitsugaya had heard Gin say like we had the scene where Gin and Aizen were talking and Hitsugaya was listening in but after that scene happened, Gin had said more stuff, which was, 
you should stop and listen to the last alarm. At least soon you won't be able to anymore. Hitsugaya notes that Momo was holding her sword so tightly her hands were bleeding and reminds everyone that he had said, if you make her bleed, I'm going to fucking kill you. His spirit pressure begins to rise, and Gin's pressure also starts rising as both captains prepare for what appears to be a potential fight to death, and the episode ends. I really do not like that Hinamori, like, essentially, just like Rukia before, becomes a body in this scene. Yeah, like, he... The... She basically just gets, like, slapped down and goes unconscious immediately. And it really sucks, because, like... There, there is a certain amount of like, okay, well, we know that the captains are like absurdly powerful compared, even compared to their own vice captains. But at the same time, this whole story is about her and that she's not being an active participant. It sucks. Yeah, Lynn is like, it's so anticlimactic. And I have to agree because it's just like this entire like two episodes has been like trying to build her as somebody who like takes charge and like actually is worth caring about as a character and then what we get is ah well it's time for the men to fight yeah like her like she's been used basically only to have that surprise she's not after gin she's after you for hitsugaya's story but we've been following her the last two or the last few episodes so it's like well you know now it really sucks it is incredibly anticlimactic and it's like well there she goes unconscious other than that, I am excited to see Hitsugaya and Gin fight. Like, I will say that much, because, like, I think they have an interesting dynamic, which is, I'm going to fucking kill you. Uh, so, I, I am interested in seeing that. I just really wish that Momo's arc hadn't gone like this. Yeah, I like, I also am a fan of Hitsugaya being like, uh, hold up. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. The this thing, this letter is obviously fake because A, B, and C. But what I don't like is Momo like just completely believes it when, like it, like the things that he took. There is a certain amount of. Okay, someone very important to her is dead, and she's seeking revenge, and she's not thinking clearly. But at the same time, it just gives the feeling of like, yeah, but he can think clearly, and he can figure it out. And she should know Aizen better than anyone else. Um, it it definitely feels like her character went from 30% loving Aizen to about 90% loving Aizen so much she can't think about anything else. and that Including sucks. Aizen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> including Aizen. Yeah, so it's like, well... Like, I am, I am excited for the fight, but the lead-up for the fight was, like, really disappointing. Um, Agreed. I'm I'm hoping we we are these this pair of episodes are markedly better than most of what we've been getting in this season so far. Uh, but I'm still hoping that the next the next week is much much higher. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping I it's looking dismal, and I like at this point I'm just like waiting for the Bountarks to take me away. Should we go ahead and get into manga differences? So manga bits, we basically we get like just some we get some some teeny tiny details. Uh, one is there is a bit where Ichigo like drinks like once he sees that his scars are healing, he drinks the water. Uh, in the manga, he does mention, "Oh, I have a cut in my mouth. I'm going to see if that's going to heal it." Okay. We learn specifically 
the secret cavern they're, they're under, it's under Sokyoku. Like, it's part of that same mountain, and it's directly underneath it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that's, that's actually hilarious. Hey, like, we built this giant secret thing right under Sokyoku. <laughs> so it's like, when, uh, basically, when they escaped uh, from Byakuya, they I, they just, like, ran around in a large circle and then came back to, the, like, basically next to him. Like, one block over. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> and uh, there is a bit more uh, detail where, like, when Hitsugaya is diving towards Gin and he has to, like, hit Momo out of the way, uh, he's basically, like, he has just a little moment where he's like, well, I'm already in an attacking motion. My options are essentially let her cut me in half, draw my sword on Momo, or use my arm to hit her away because I can't dodge at this point. Um, but... You know, it just leads to the same, the exact same situation in the manga, in the anime, as she literally gets hit out of the scene, and then she's no longer, like, really part of the cast for this coming confrontation. When you would think, you know, I don't know, I would really like her to be a character. Like, she's really cool in the moment, in, like, the two moments these two episodes have shown us that she can be a character. Um, Agreed. At, and it's frustrating that it's like, well, but Aizen, though. I really feel like it, I almost wish this had been that, like, kind of stereotypical, like, more tropey bit, where, like, he, she has to fight Hitsugaya, and then, like, he's trying to convince her of the truth, while Gin is sitting there and, like, trying to convince her, no, no, just kill Hitsugaya, it's fine. Like, I, I almost wish we got that instead. Yeah, because at least then she would have been like more active in the in the concept. Um, yeah, and then finally the uh, with the manga have, has been continuing the con playing soccer with kids story. Uh, so we get August eleven, Sunny. Their friendship and love of soccer got to me, so I decided to help them. We started practicing at their secret base, the local park. My talents as a striker quickly bloomed. But I had no idea of the tragedy that awakened me and uh, that awaited me. And we see him like, you know, in Ichigo's body, kicking up all through several trees with a big kaboom. <laughs> and the kids are like, holy shit, what's happening? Uh, and then we see, when I returned to the Kurosakis, there was something odd about Ichigo's room. I opened the desk drawer and it's gone. Gone was the perfect body that I'd brought back in my bag from Urahara Shoten. It's not where I left it. How? Why? Am I doomed to be Ichigo forever? Wait, I don't have time to be writing in a diary. What am I gonna do? That's so good. <laughs> and then it starts like a different summer diary like miniseries, but I'm gonna save that for next week because there's more. Like I'm, I'm gonna do like the two chapters together next week. Okay, that sounds good. I'm kind of surprised that these cone gags have been remarkably unhorny. Well, there is, there was a bit of the horniness, because the only reason he's helping the kids is because they have, they offered him, like, a titty mag, but... Uh, uh, okay, well, I'm glad that I was not informed of the horny until now. <laughs> I regret to inform you that Khan cannot and will not, he would just absolutely refuses to not be a character. To not be a horny character. And Kubo just refuses to give him literally anything anything else. I'm really glad that Kone doesn't exist. He's not real. 
He can't hurt you. <laughs> one day, perhaps, one of the fillers will give Khan like a good a good emotional plot story where he won't be horny. He'll just like struggle with his uh association with soul reapers and what it means for his his existence. Maybe someday. They they did kind of not a filler story, but they did kind of. Yeah, well, they did, and then they, they did, and then they hor- they there was the horny bits, there was the horny jokes like in between. So I don't. Ah, uh, yes. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe one day we'll we'll get that without the bad horny. So shall we go ahead and close things out? Okay. So before we go ahead and uh you know plug our stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore pause. You can find me on twitch.tv at Lavender pause. You can also follow the show at Bleachcast on Twitter or send us an email at iwobleachcast at gmail.com. Wow, plucking your stuff before the show even. Damn. I do that every week. You can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ and this week... You can also find me co-hosting on the MetaWatch podcast, the one and only, <laughs> the the best and currently possibly only MetaBots podcast. I really should give MetaWatch a listen. It's good. It's a good show. They're good people. You can find me at Lotundus Callake on Instagram. Now, friends, rivals, bitter enemies, and okay acquaintances. I have haunted this podcast for many decades, have been a lingering presence in every episode but today, today I hear it. A sound not unlike an angel's choir, a chime, a chime of a washing machine at the end of its load. My laundry has come out of the wash, listeners, it's time. Though my time may have been brief it was still a fun ride that I will always treasure, and we'll take with me to the great beyond. Sam, Lily, thank you. Without you both this podcast would not be nearly as fun as it was. No ghost could ever ask for better co-hosts to occasionally possess. To our listeners, first, I'm not sorry making you watch Bleach. You made your bed. You chose this podcast. I have no remorse. Second, thank you for listening and giving this podcast your support. I hope you'll continue supporting Sam and Lily's journey through the rest of Bleach. Because good God. Good. God. I think that's all I have to say really, shouldn't leave the laundry waiting after all. I, uh, didn't separate my clothes while washing. And I've heard that's like, super bad. So, thank you all. I hope you stay safe and well. And remember, stay cool chats.
私たちを襲うけどそれ